Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. What the hell are we doing? Well, it's Chihuahua snapping feral cats flailing all while working with the baddest bitches in the business. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson, RBT, and this... It's how our week went. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Cat Disgusted. This is our 20th episode of Cat Disgusted. I know I mentioned it just a couple times the last time you heard me, but I'm kind of excited about it. Um, also, I have to mention, like, right off the bat, that it, on, the, on the FB page on the Facebook for uh, Cat Disgusted, I asked you guys to like the page in honor of this 20th episode of me in my jibba-jabba on the podcasting. And you guys, like, I was hoping for like 100 and you totally blew it out of the water. I don't know how many are on there, but I remember it to be like a million. So that's amazing. And I wanted to thank you guys, everybody who's listening um, to me and my podcast. I think it's amazing. And so uh, as a little kind of treat for y'all, um, I don't really have a theme for this podcast besides uh, kind of, I guess, a year in review. All my favorite podcasts are doing years in review because I guess it's how you do it. So we'll, we'll do that. Um, so I figured I just for, for um, this 20th episode, what we're going to do is we're going to tell some stories from my illustrious career thus far uh, in 2016. Um, just some fun, some fun times we had in the hospital, which survived the holidays, by the way. Uh, I hope you all survived the holidays. Okay. Uh, emergency rooms. I don't really know why this is. Well, I've got a couple theories, but emergency rooms, both for the humans and for the animals are just busy as all get out during the holidays. And I, I, it just must be like, that's when people are around. Like that's when people are not necessarily busy with their normal lives, their home or their walking around or whatever in the world. And the world like, I don't know, spikes like shoot out of the ground and, and hurt people. And so they have to, and their dogs. And so they have to come into emergency rooms. Uh, my theory was always like, that was when, you know, grandma had the little terrier over and it met the, the German shepherd for the first time. And they like tussled around and now they're bleeding. And now the entire family of 12 is in the emergency room, uh, which totally happens. The, the holidays were, they, they did not disappoint in our emergency world. Our Christmas Eve was really busy. Our Christmas Day was really busy. Um, and uh, I was just, uh, t today is New Year's Day, by the way. C congratulations for surviving 2016 and welcome to 2017. Today being the first day of 2017. And I'm not at work today. So I have to ask y'all, have a moment of silence. And hope. <laughs> for all of my friends who are working on this holiday because I'm sure it was crazy. The story that I'll that I'll start with is uh, about uh, puppies 
because everybody loves puppies for, uh, especially for Christmas, Christmas puppies. We have puppies in the hospital who I feel like way more recently. And it's maybe it's because like in, in the Christmas spirit, everyone's timed the breeding of their dogs so that they can get fresh puppies to adopt to everybody. Um, in t- like that Santa will drop down your chimney. Cause we've had a lot of C-sections. Dude, my homie Shelby has like, she did three C-sections within the last couple months. Three that were all in the wee hours of the morn because she's a, a graveyard technician. I mean, that's, that's amazing that she's done three of those uh, in the last couple months. That's crazy. But, you know, I wonder if it's because everybody was trying to make Christmas presents, but we're kind of, they were off a little in their scheduling, maybe. The puppies that we see in the hospital are sick. And when we see a healthy puppy, we're so grateful. I feel like everyone has to rub their faces on the healthy puppy when they see one. Because inevitably, if they're coming to see us in emergency, they're not doing super great. Uh, We have an isolation ward at the hospital. And this is very much uh, for the parvo virus, which I think we've talked a little bit about on this show. Um, But we haven't done like a proper episode on it. You guys probably would 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 like that so idea note to self 2017 we'll talk about parvo um essentially the short story is uh vomiting and diarrhea bloody diarrhea major dehydration it's a virus you can't cure it with antibiotics all you can do is supportive care um and it's incredibly contagious (laughs) so super awesome and it, it is notorious for uh getting puppies really really sick now we do vaccinate against this but puppies are not fully vaccinated um until they're you know four or five months old and so their immunity hasn't matured and so they're very vulnerable to this. So we see a lot of puppies with parvovirus in in emergency and they have to stay in a little room all by themselves and they're super sad. Um, The super sad puppy that we, uh, that I'm thinking of for this particular story was actually tested negative for, uh, for parvovirus, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not that they don't have it. It just means that the snap test that we ran, the antibodies didn't flag the little snap test. So it is possible that they can have parvovirus even if they test negative for parvo. Uh, and then, then I put them in what I call, not necessarily the isolation room all by themselves, but they go in what I call the contagion corner, which is not the general population of our CCU where all the other patients are, but it's kind of over in the emergency triage area in the back of the room in the kind of corner area where we don't have a whole lot of foot traffic or a whole lot, you know, both two feet and four feet. So this puppy uh, that I'm thinking of in particular for this story was a little golden lab puppy. Oh my goodness, like little Christmas bumpkin. Like this is a little calendar puppy. However, he was in the contagion corner because he had diarrhea and tested negative for parvo, but still diarrhea, diarrhea, diarrhea. So, uh, one thing that that puppies don't really um, enjoy is uh, is veterinary medicine. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't they, they don't like that, um, and they're babies, and so they 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 talk about their dislike of veterinary medicine a lot. They have a lot to say especially about taking their temperature. I feel like temping puppies is just, 
It's inevitable. They just don't like it. They say, no, 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 not in my butt, please. Not in my butt. And we're always like, well, welcome to the rest of your life in veterinary medicine, little puppy. So this little puppy, of course, because it's like blowing diarrhea out of its butt, the poor thing. It's on IV fluids in the contagion corner. And we have to take its temperature probably every four hours. You know, that's usually how often we get their vital signs every four to six hours. So inevitably, this poor little thing would be like, no. No, 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 don't put it in my butt, please. And would scream, and it was such puppy torture. And so we really wanted to, well, either lessen the amount of times that we have to take the temperature. That's always the first thing that we're going to ask the doctor about. Uh, or distract the puppy. That's the other thing you can do. Because puppies are really easily, their attention is really easily diverted. It's a little bit like me. It's a little bit like, oh, something shiny. So if you're petting their head, or you're just talking to them, like, then a lot of times they actually do a lot better when you have to get their temperature or do something that they don't really want to do, like stick needles in it, something like that. Now, this puppy had some very interesting neighbors in the cage next door that he couldn't really, next door to where he was. Um, now, he couldn't really see who these neighbors were. He could probably smell them, uh, but his neighbors were a pair of ferrets. Now, ferrets are illegal in California. I knew some of you were thinking that. I knew it. But here's the thing is we can still treat them. We can totally treat ferrets. Um, we've hospitalized them before. Uh, they get, uh, there's a couple diseases that ferrets get that are kind of common things for them. Um, they do get cancers just like we do. Um, one of the things that they can get is an insulinoma, which is a tumor on their pancreas. That's actually a fairly common thing for ferrets to get. And their, their glucose can get uh, very, very low because their pancreas isn't producing the, uh, or because it's producing too much insulin, because insulinoma, because it's like, you know, monster on your pancreas. Um, these guys, they have a, a I, f I feel like they have an interesting smell to them. There's a medicine that we use called Medicam, which I think really smells like ferret. It's kind of this like musky sweet smell. Uh, so I'm sure puppy knew that they were there, but couldn't really uh, see them. So here comes puppy having to get his temperature taken and inevitably there's going to be some unhappy puppy noises coming from uh from from him so this was what we did so it took two people because puppy doesn't want to let you do it by yourself you know he's gonna he's gonna run from you so uh we had one technician would hold puppy and the other one would come up behind them and then a third person <laughs> would be on its head going to try to distract puppy well in this particular case uh my friend came offered to hold the puppy and so she scooped up pup pup and then uh our, i forget who it was who was temping in the back but another technician technician came up and uh, with the temperature to take it rectally as we do for the puppy and of course inevitably he starts wee, 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 wee. we must not have had a third person available to do the buja 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 by the face and inevitably this poor puppy going why why the temperature and then suddenly he goes what and his ears perk up and he looks at the ferret's cage and Kim goes oh Oh, yes. Here, yes. Here, puppy. Why don't you look at the ferrets? And so sure enough, Kim turns with the puppy. And of course, the technician who's holding the thermometer in the puppy's butt like has to like spin with her like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and Kim turns the puppy towards the ferret's cage. And it was like this curious, these two little, two little, you know, snake-headed ferret guys like oh, mm, at the front of the cage. And the puppy like inevitably oh, mm, mm, looking at the ferrets. And they just were fascinated by each other. These little creatures, sniff, 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 little ferret hands on the little cage. And the puppy's going, oh, oh, oh. And 
that temperature was the quietest that puppy ever was for that total ferret distraction. It was brilliant. Uh, luckily, the puppy's temperature was normal, so we didn't have to do it for like a while after that. But sure enough, when that came up near the end of our shift, Kim was like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I have a method. I have a method to do this. And she grabs puppy, does the same thing, turns him around. Him and the ferrets have a little conversation and we get his temperature without any problem. So I thought I thought that was I thought that was pretty great using ferret distraction for puppies. Now, I have, in 2016, I have met some interesting people, uh, like you do when you deal with a, uh, you know, when you have a job where you deal with members of the public just all day long. I mean, I must like meet new faces just like every 15 minutes, you know, being in the hospital with all the, all the owners coming in with their little, little four-legged friends. Uh, but you don't always meet the interesting people, uh, related to animals in the hospital. I feel like when you, when I tell people what I do for a living, I'll often, like people's eyes like light up. They're like, Oh my God. And well, and nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, my cat's doing this crazy thing. Why do you think that's usually what happens? But sometimes people are genuinely interested in what you're doing. Like, Whoa, how long did you go to school for that? Or do you, guys you my friend Dana in uh, Portland is like do you guys use the same endotracheal tubes as we do I'm like yup she's like hmm must be pediatric ones though huh I'm like yeah and the best part is we don't just use them once like you guys we use them for like a year <laughs> she's all mm-hmm hmm. so uh I feel like all walks of life people are interested in uh what happens in a veterinary hospital because everybody has a, a a story related to to animals i think in, in their lives uh, the most uh interesting person that i can think of that i have met and become acquainted with acquainted with this year is a massage therapist that i have gone to a couple times now I should mention that veterinary technicians, we are a broken ass people. Like we're just, we have soreness. We have problems with our bodies working correctly. And the reason why that is, is because we have like a very physical, we have a very physical job. I mean, like if you bring your 150 pound mastiff into the hospital and it's got a sore leg and you have to take x-rays who do you think has to lift your doggy up on the table? Uh, there, there are a lot of back problems in my field. There's a lot of shoulder problems. And you know what people have, which is like really like freaks me out is there's a lot of like carpal tunnel from all the, um, like gripping that we have to do, like gripping crazy kitties or like just holding on to animals, you know, like the way that you restrain dogs, like when they're on their sides, you have to hold on to their front, uh, one front leg and one back leg. And I feel like you really have to grip sometimes so that they don't go anywhere and it's not harmful for them it's a it's a way of restraining them that's safe for them and safe for you but it does mean that you have to like clench your hands repeatedly throughout the day and that can cause tendonitis problems you know it's awful and there's a bunch of us that have these residual uh residual disorders with our body that we have to address on a daily basis i'm really lucky in that i really only have funky knees. And I can't, I can't blame the funky knees on veterinary medicine at this point. Uh, I played softball shocker, I know for many years. And, um, I think being a catcher is what screwed up my knees more than anything else. Like sometimes when I get up off the floor, like you can just hear my knees go. It's like, Oh, it's okay. It doesn't hurt. It just makes noises. It's like 4th of July snap, crackle, pop. Uh, but that being said, 
I find it very helpful to go and get a massage. Like, mm, man, it would be awesome to do it once a week. Does that really happen? Probably not. But I love to go and uh, there's a like grocery store that's near where my house is. It's um, just a couple miles away and it's super organic and super cute. So I can't spend a lot of money there, but they have a little massage booth there. You can get a little like shoulder massage. You like write your name on a list and you go get your groceries and stuff. And then you go back there when you're kind of around the time that the last person before you's done. And you get this awesome chair massage and they have a kind of rotating, uh, cast of of characters that are all the massage people that I'll work for that uh on the spot massage wellness on the spot massage that's what it is in case they need a little plug for business uh when I go there I I usually go like afternoons on weekdays or these days when I have Sundays off I can go in the afternoons on Sundays and when I have gone in the afternoon on Sundays the last couple times there's been one particular lady there who uh, who I think is a hoot. Turns out she actually runs the business there. And she's got this big kind of messy, um, messy top knot bun ponytail thing on the top of her head and these glasses on this little wooden sandal woody beaded chain thing swinging around. She's probably in like, you know, I would say like mid to late 50s, maybe 60, maybe. Uh, and very kind of a very like Berkeley countenance about her. You know what I mean? She's just like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Gives you a hug when she meets you. That kind of a weird thing. Um, she was the one who, she's the one who's there most of the time when I go on Sundays. So most, um, massage therapists will ask you like, you know, where's your problem spots? Like, do you have any, any injuries that I need to be aware of? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm always like my, well, my shoulders and my neck get really, really stiff. And that's like mainly the place I hold a lot of tension during the week, uh, which eventually leads to like, oh, so, or I say, so, oh, that's right. This is how, this is how I trigger this response is because I was like, oh yeah, I do a lot of like heavy lifting and you know, my shoulders get tired throughout the week. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a veterinary technician. Ah, and this woman, as soon as she hears like veterinary technician, I can hear the wheels turning in her head. And she's like, oh yeah, working with animals. That's, that is really cool. You know, I've, I've had some experiences with animals in my life. I find that wonderful that you serve them. You know, when I was 16 and I'm like, oh, what, what's this going to be? Right. You know, when I was 16, I, uh, I was living in Malibu and I had a friend who had uh, a horse that she owned in, in Malibu. And we were all down at her house there. And the poor horse, the horse was sick. It had um, some kind of uh, belly belly discomfort, some kind of... Uh, and I was like, like colicky? Was it colicky? Which is this, this like intestinal uh, disorder that horses can get. Oh yeah. Colicky. That's what it was. This colicky horse she had. Yeah. We were all down there and we were tripping on acid and I had to stick my hand into this horse's behind to relieve a, um, some kind of obstruction that he had there because of his colickiness. Now I have, I have to clue you in on the visual for this. So, I mean, like we're sitting in this like little kind of booth in an organic-y little market thing. I've got my, like, there's like, you know, that kind of massage you know, wood flute m- meditation music, like playing in the background. I'm in the chair with my face in this like, you know, disposable, like this little like paper towel thing to keep it clean from the next person or so we don't share face grease or whatever in this massage chair. And she's like working on my shoulder blade 
telling me this story. So I, of course, am, I, I love this story. So I'm like, wait a minute. So there was a, there was an obstruction up there or like, how is, how was there an obstruction in the, why did you, I, I had many questions. Why did you have to put your hand? She's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't really remember why we thought that that was a good idea for me to stick my hand up the horse's behind. But you know, I mean, we, we were on acid at that point. So I, I, I suppose it doesn't really, I, I suppose I'm not surprised that I don't remember why we thought that that was the solution to the problem. <laughs> I just thought th- this woman is a hoot. I could, I, I immediately decided that I could listen to her, um, tell her, tell her stories for, for any Sunday afternoon massage. So we we kind of left the the horse the horse in Malibu the the hand up the horse button Malibu and and kind of diverted to talking about some other things. But what I do enjoy at the end of our little like thirty minute massage thing is that whenever I leave and like I pay her with the little like you know the square on the iPhone, it's so super convenient. You just like run your card and you're done. And whenever I'm leaving, she always goes, "Well, thanks for coming, Nicole, and thank you for taking care of the animals." And I love that she says that. So, okay. So I have, so of course I went back the next time I go to see her, she, she recognized my name on the paper. Cause you have to sign your, you know, you have to put your name for a time or whatever. And she's like, Oh, hi, Nicole. Welcome. Come on in. She's like, you work with the animals, right? I'm like, yeah, totally. So she starts a shoulder massage. She knows my shoulders are sore. So, you know, meditation music's playing shoulder massage, shoulder massage. And then she says, she goes, so what's up? What's the craziest animal you've ever treated or had to, you know, have in in the hospital? What's the craziest thing? And, you know, it's a hard question to answer because when I think of like the craziest thing, I'm usually thinking of like a human being <laughs> being the craziest thing in the hospital. But uh, I kind of like, you know, sifting through the Rolodex of my brain of interesting animals that have come through the door. And we started talking about birds. I was like, well, you know, we see birds on emergency and I've never had to really treat birds in any other job that I have. And so I find that really interesting. We see conures and parrots and that kind of thing. She's, oh, oh yeah, birds. You know, when I was living in Santa Cruz, I had homing pigeons. I'm like homing pigeons, really? Like 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 Mike Tyson, like the homing pigeons where they have messages and they can carry them around. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they would they would go quite a few miles. You know, they could go, you know, 10, 20 miles easily and then they would come back to your house. It was great. And I'm like, "Well, how many did you have? Did you have a lot down there at Santa Cruz?" Oh, 30, 40 of them, something like that. I'm like, "Okay, again, I have lots of questions." I'm like, "So was it where you were living or where Oh, yeah, I had a nice little enclosure. I lived, you know, kind of the woods in Santa Cruz. You know, in in fact, what I used to do is I used to use the homing pigeons to deliver acid to my friends in Watsonville. You know, you just tie a little bit of plastic wrap and the tabs of acid, you know, in the wrap around their leg and off they go. And they would come back within a day or so. It was great. My friends loved it, but they were a little afraid that the police might catch on. Right, because the cops are gonna be like, "Hey, man, do you think that pigeon that's flying into that person's window? I bet it's carrying drugs." <laughs> I go, "Sure, oh yeah, they have the Richmond cops. They're on. They're on to that. They're on to that." Actually, it's kind of funny because we're in my old house in Richmond. There was somebody who had pigeons, so maybe that is something that's happening. And then she says, she starts going, "You know, 
when I was in Malibu and I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you going to tell me the story about the horse and the and, and when you were 16? And she's like, oh, did I tell you that story? Oh, that's interesting. That involved acid, too. I wonder what that says about me that most of the stories I've told you involve acid. <laughs> I I don't know. All it means is that I am coming back next Sunday afternoon. (laughs) That's what that means. Oh, and then, of course, you know, at the end of our our little massage and I give her her payment for the day and she gives me a hug and she says, all right, Nicole, well, see you next time. And thank you for taking care of the animals. Yeah, uh, it is time for another Vaynerpuncture of the Week. That's where we're at. That's why the funky music. It is time for Vaynerpuncture of the Week. Now, um, this is not truly one that happened within the last seven days, if we're going to get technical about the whole week thing, but I think it's important nonetheless. So it's going to make the 20th episode because I've been meaning to tell this story for a while because it's dope. So my buddy Shelby, the same graveyard technician who did the three C-sections over the last couple months, she gets the venipuncture of the week, and I'll tell you why. Whenever we hear in emergency that we have to hospitalize a rabbit, the pervasive response usually is, and that's because they're just a bitch to work with. Now, I've talked about how it's difficult with the rabbits because they're prey animals and all they want to do is run away. And all we want to do is stick IV catheters in them and put them on fluids and push tubes into their esophagus to drain gas and fluid out of their bellies. Um, And they might die anyway. So Rabbits are not huge fans of veterinary medicine generally. There are definitely, just like cats and dogs, there's a, a vast spectrum of, uh, of personalities with bunnies. And some of them are really good patients and some of them are just god-awful, just like anything else, just like people. So this one bunny in particular that I'm thinking of uh, for Shelby's venipuncture of the week was the size of a pea. I mean, this bunny was so, it was a baby bunny and the owners were really dedicated and they were really sad. And so they wanted this bunny to live. We think the bunny had, I think it was this one that did have some kind of GI disease. I mean, that's always why they're there. Bunnies are always dealing with what's called gastric bloat. Um, It's different than the type of bloat that I've talked about before that dogs get, which involves torsing of the the stomach. Um, Gastric bloat in bunnies just means that their gut motility has stopped. Um, Rabbits and horses. Oh, this is a good, this is a good tie-in for the acid horse situation. So, the colic with horses is a GI problem, and uh, it's not colic in bunnies, really, is not the best analogy for bloat in rabbits, but it's kind of similar because their GI tracts are similar. So rabbits have, a, they're what are called gut fermenters. They have a huge cecum, uh, which for us is your appendix, and that's where they do so much GI activity, gastrointestinal activity. Um, they have to constantly be eating and constantly be pooping because they are fermenting in their gut gut all the cellulose that's in plant material in order to get energy and be a bunny. So if any of that process stops, if things slow down, um, a lot of times if they get cold, things will slow down. 
then they're in big trouble because if their gut's not moving, then all that gas is building up in their cecum, building up in their stomach, and they just get re- – I mean, I've seen a bunny come in like a balloon. It's ridiculous, and they get really, really sick, and they die. So this baby bunny, I don't really know if that's what we diagnosed it with specifically, but it was really what we call unthrifty. It was small. It was skinny. It wasn't eating. It was really lethargic. And, of course, we're going to go ahead and put it on IV fluids and heat support in the hospital. So I tried to get a catheter into this microscopic creature and I just, I mean, it was like a blind stick. I mean, like there, first of all, there's barely enough leg to like have two people hand, ha- handle, like, you know, hold off a vessel for you like you would with a larger animal. I'm, I'm a big fan of using um, a pair of hemostats and a rubber band and you can kind of create like a little itty bitty, like doll's house size tourniquet with that. And then you can use that to pop the vein up. That really works well, actually. Uh, that's a trick I learned from, uh, my buddy Kim Larson. And then, uh, so for this bunny in particular, I tried that and it that just, it was just, it, there was nothing to stick. It was crazy. There was like no vessel to see. It was so small or I, mean, I think it was there, but it was so small, whatever it was. I blocked it out. It was a time of darkness that whatever nightmare that, that, that I went through. So then I was like, Shelby, you got to try. Shelby was holding the bunny and I was like, girl, you got to try. Cause I'm not getting anywhere with this. And so we switched, we, she looked at the other leg, um, with the same little tourniquet dealy. And I was like, oh, well, okay, there's something. I guess I'll poke it. She's always very matter of fact about, well, there's something. I guess that they, here we go. So lo and behold, she gets this little tiny, like 25 gauge catheter into this baby bunny as if she was just walking down to the store to get a Coke. Like it was just doop, boop, and it was done. And I was amazed because I was sweating. Like I was feeling really disheartened. I was like, oh my God, this thing's going to die. And we can't even like poke it properly. I mean, it was, and she's like, oh, it's in there. Cool. And she's so like deadpan about it. But then she tapes it in. She gets it all ready. And then my favorite part, she like, she's like, okay, now one second. And she steps back and does a little freaking pointy like finger, like dance, like, like victory dance. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. it was so awesome. And I too would have joined in this dance if I didn't have this little sick baby bunny, but I, I, I supported it. I'm like, yeah, Shelby, go Shelby, go Shelby. It's a birthday. Go Shelby. Got the tiny catheter in the bunny, Shelby. It's a birthday. It was great. It was a good moment. And the doctor was super happy. Um, I don't know if that bunny lived or not. I don't remember that part of the story. Because I don't remember, let's just say yes, and it flew back into its owner's arms with a just just pooping out of a swath of rainbows behind it. Let's just think of it think about it that way. Because it was a super happy moment for Shelby to get the baby bunny IV catheter in, and we talked about it at work for like a week, and it was awesome. So go Shelby, witch your bad self with the baby bunny IV catheter. That's right. Beyonce is going to take Cat Disgusted into 2017, y'all. Um, thank you so much for liking the Facebook page. Thank you for getting me to my 20th episode here. Um, I'm stoked about what 2017 uh, holds for Cat Disgusted for this podcast, and I hope you are too. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, don't come and see me at work. All right, Beyonce. Take it out, girl. Go on, girl. Yeah, get it. <laughs>